that you open your Bibles this morning. Psalm 125. Psalm 125 as we continue looking at the Psalms of Ascent. Good to see you here in the house of God this morning. Uh, Psalm 125 is the sixth of the Psalms of Ascent. And the writer of this psalm that we're looking at today is unknown. We don't know. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, We can imagine the pilgrims chanting this song when walking the city walls. And may uh, we, as we look at the Word of God, uh, place our hearts and our minds. What was it like to sing this song? What is it like even now as we sing this song and apply it to our own lives. And before we read the word of God, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, help me as I read this psalm this morning. And Lord, help me to be faithful in proclaiming your word. And Lord, open our hearts to your word this morning that we may apply your words to our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit working in those our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Psalm 125, beginning in verse 1, we read, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are around about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside into their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth, with the workers of iniquity, but peace <clears throat> shall be upon Israel. Amen. Psalm 125 is about the security of God's people that they have in him, that is, that they have in God. And I'm, I'm going to entitle today's message, Eternal Security or the Security of God's people because protection outside of God is completely unreliable and will fail us ultimately. I remember hearing the story of, well, I didn't hear the story, I watched the story, this was a few years ago, and I believe it was a British tank crew that was in Iraq and their tank, it was a pretty good sized tank, I'm not sure what type of tank, but it was a main battle tank very similar to the M1 battle tank that the U.S. Army uses. And it got, it hit a mine and got crippled. It couldn't move any place. And the tank commander in this interview said he could hear thumping against the sides of the tank continuously. What was the thumping? He says, well, they were outside these uh, firing these RPGs at it. <clears throat> But it, it wasn't penetrating because the armor was too heavy. And they waited. And they weren't going to get out of the tank. Eventually, 
they left. But his protection was that tank. They didn't get out of the tank. Uh, and, uh, and thankfully, they didn't bring up nothing heavier that could penetrate that armor. Well, we are even more secure in Christ, in Him, a greater army than even, even that of a tank. And in verses 1 and 2, the psalmist begins Psalm 125 talking about how that those who trust in the Lord, that is Jehovah or Yahweh, shall be like Mount Zion. Uh, Mount Zion was where Jerusalem was. Uh, it sits as a, a picture of permanence, is the picture that he's given here, shall be as Mount Zion. It cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Uh, mountains are very impressive to look at. Uh, what the highest mountain in the world is Mount Everest, and so many try to climb that. A lot of them fail, and it's bad when they fail. Usually it's death. It's such a huge highest point on the face of the earth. But it's so impressive. Uh, I, when I was reading this, I was thinking about other mountains. I, I've never been to, uh, to Japan, but I've seen the pictures of Mount Fuji outside of, of uh, Tokyo and how impressive it looks. See, even though I think it's not as close to that city of Tokyo as it looks on a, on, in a picture, but it's so impressive, like it's looming over the city. Mountains are impressive. And the psalmist here, through the work of the Holy Spirit, compares Mount Zion, that our trust in the Lord, it's like Mount Zion. We who trust in Him are like Mount Zion, like a great and mighty mountain, which cannot be moved by the things of this world, but abides forever. And then in verse 2, he, he talks about the mountains that surround Jerusalem. So the Lord is around by his people from henceforth forever. Jerusalem surrounded by mountains. And here he's comparing it like a wall of protection. Not only is Mount Zion permanent, but even around Mount Zion, it's flanked and covered by a great wall of protection of other mountains. And the Lord is that like that around his people who are, who, my friends, he says, abide forever. So God's people who have faith in him, he's saying, is like a mountain that cannot be moved. And that the Lord surrounds us like mountains surrounding Mount Zion. The picture is of God's people with total security. And these words should be comforting to us who are Christians, who know the Lord. Uh, for we are, have a total security in God. Now, outside of God, there's no security in this world. But in Christ, we have complete security. In John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, Jesus here speaking says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice he uses that Old Testament example of Moses raising the serpent in the wilderness and how that the children of Israel who were facing a plague of serpents, if they looked upon that serpent, they were healed. He says the same thing happens to all who look to Christ, to Him. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And you'll note verse 16, probably most famous verse in the Bible, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. And I want to point out here that the word believeth here is in the active voice. It's active, meaning it's, a, it's, it's not talking about a one-time event. A lot of times when we see this word, and I've heard people say, well, I hadn't been in church. I've been kind of living ungodly and doing things I shouldn't. But I know 40 years ago, I walked down an aisle and I believed upon Jesus. In other words, I got my ticket punched 40 years ago, so I'm in good shape. But that's not what John 3.16 is saying. Folks, if you got faith is a gift of God. If you had faith 40 years ago in Christ, you still got faith in Christ. If your faith is in something else, then you got to question what happened 40 years ago. Was that just some easy believism? And we got a lot of that going on. The word believe here uh, is in John 3.15 and 16 is in the active voice. That's believing upon Christ. That's a great assurance. One of the things that when I doubted my salvation when I was a, a teenager, I was talking with my pastor and I was questioning and he, he asked me, well, what are you trusting to get you into heaven? He said, I, I told him, well, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. And he says, I think you just answered your, your question. I mean, you know, wait a minute. Yeah, what does it say here? If, you believe, if you're believing, it's not just simply a head knowledge, but you're trusting in Him. You're believing. You have faith in Him. Those who are, have faith in Christ, their salvation is secure. They have God's protection. And that's a beautiful picture. And a beautiful comfort and assurance to we who are Christians in this life. And go over to a few more chapters, to John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. What did Jesus say about His sheep? In verse 28 of John chapter 10. Jesus says, and I give the, unto them eternal life. Now what type of life does Jesus give his sheep? Eternal life. Do you say it's kind of eternal life, but not quite? you got to keep it. No, he didn't say that. He says it's eternal life. And I give them eternal life in what? And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. Notice the imagery. No one's able to pluck them out of my hand, Jesus says. And He says, My Father, He is the one who gave them to me, and no one's able to pluck them out of His hands. 
That's talking about total, complete security. Can the devil pluck you out of Christ's hands, the Father's hands? Absolutely not. I heard people say, well, but you can squeeze your way out because of sin. Well, you're kind of adding on to Scripture. Not kind of adding, you are adding on to Scripture. You're taking away what Jesus says here. We're held by God the Father and God the Son. And you go over to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 where the Apostle Paul wrote these words. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of the truth the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Apostle Paul makes it clear also it's the Holy Spirit who we're sealed by him at conversion. He certifies us our, our salvation. He preserves our eternal salvation. He protects our eternal salvation. The Bible is clear that the entire Godhead, the Holy Trinity, holds our salvation, my friends, not mine. Uh, what did David say in Psalm 51 when he prayed, Give me the joy of thy salvation. He didn't say my salvation, thy salvation, your salvation, God, because it's his salvation that he has bestowed upon us. But there's always objections and and they'll say, but what about Revelation 3.5? You know, and I could throw, we can go down the whole rabbit hole here this morning and we'd be here to late afternoon, but we're not doing that on this. But I will indulge you just a little bit because many will say, what about Revelation 3.5? I always hear this brought up. What does it say in Revelation 3.5? Well, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5 the resurrected Christ says, He that overcometh. Now let me stop there for just a minute. Keep your finger there. Go back a few pages to 1 John 5. 1 John 5 and verse 4 where John states, For whatsoever is born of God does what? Overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And we know from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, that faith is a gift of God. It's not something we conjure up. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. That victory is our faith that God has given us. Go back to Revelation 3, 5 and we'll continue. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Well, Jesus says he'll blot your name out. No, he didn't say that. He says actually the exact opposite, that those who overcome, and we know that those who overcome are those who have faith in Christ, and as Brother Jimmy has been taking us through James, we know that that works are the fruit of faith. You know, James says, show me your works. They testify of faith. We don't want to you know, do away with sanctification here. But he that overcometh the shame shall be clothed in white, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess 
his name before my father and before his angels. That's a great assurance to have. Now let's just go a few more chapters over in Revelation. Revelation chapter 13 in verse uh, 8 where John writes, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, that is the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Here he says, All on the earth shall worship this beast whose names are not written in the book of life. and of life Now, of the Lamb, by the way, notice Jesus is described as being slain before the foundation of the world. Of course, that deals with predestination. But go a few more chapters to Revelation 17 and verse 8. Very similar. Also again, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. And I always want to stop there. When were our names, those who are saved, written in the book of life? You may have heard some southern gospel song or something that you know the time you believed the Lord had his pen ready and he wrote you down in the book of life except that's not what the Bible says our names of all who believe upon Christ throughout eternity were written in the book of life from the foundation of the world and Revelation 3 5 says I will never blot their names out those who have faith in Christ have that assurance uh, and so when we look at Psalm 125, we can say that when it comes to our salvation in Christ, that we're like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. And that the Lord is, surrounds us like the mountains that surround Jerusalem. He surrounds us and protects us from evil. Uh, and our salvation is secure in Him. Going back to Psalm 125, uh, in verses 3 and 4, he states that the rod of the wicked, and that word rod can also be translated the scepter of wickedness or the wicked, uh, shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. That is forever. Uh, in other words, uh, what he's saying here, uh, uh, talking about Jerusalem. Uh, look, we live in a world of wickedness. Jerusalem had their problems. And the writer of the Psalms would have known this when he wrote this, that Jerusalem would have some wicked kings. Read First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and then would suffer under some evil foreign kings. But here's the thing about it. That won't last forever. That would not last forever lest the righteous just give up and sin. God would not like, would not allow this. And he says, and I believe when I read this, this is also prophetically looking to the future Davidic king, Jesus Christ, who is the great king. And then in Psalms 4, he says a little prayer here. Do good, O Lord, in them that are good and them that are upright in their heart. I believe it's a short prayer for the righteous in Jerusalem. Do good to them. 
Look, we live in a wicked world. Uh, I think a lot of times in, when it comes to presidential elections, we're looking for that perfect leader in our hearts. And I believe in a lot of ways it goes back to our desire for, for a, a true perfect leader that can solve all the problems. But that, that leader is not going to come from anybody, from the Democratic Party or from the Republican Party. And you're going to be disappointed. Uh, you're going to be disappointed. You'll vote for somebody for president or for governor. Boy, you're really excited. And then four years later, ah, <laughs> you know, that's, that's so often man will fail you. And then, uh, and we have evil leaders even. But here's the thing about it. God has not forsaken his righteous in this evil world, even when we have evil leaders. Think about people who, live, who are Christians in China or North Korea or Iran or Iraq, Afghanistan. And yes, there's Christians in all those countries, believe it or not. they got to look at this. This won't last forever. The rod of the wicked won't last forever. God is our helper. We can rest with the assurance that the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 in verses 5 and 6. Where he says, let your conversation, that is your lifestyle, be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. That's hard for us. Be content with what you have, what the Lord gives you. Don't be greedy, covetousness. But for he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Though it may feel that way at times in this evil world that God's absence, he's not. He's very much here. He says, I won't leave you, my friends. He won't leave his children. For verse 6 so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man can do unto me. We can be content with this, that the Lord doesn't forsake us. He doesn't abandon us, even when evil is around us, even when evil is oppressing us. It's not going to last forever. Jesus is king. Whether the world acknowledges it or not, Jesus is king. We're going to go through some hard times. But the Lord is my helper. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 33, 33-39, the Apostle Paul states, Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who can condemn God's elect? Hey, it's God that justifieth us. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, that, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. It would do good for all of us each and every day to keep our minds on the resurrected Christ, on the empty tomb, and that Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That that's where our home is at my friends notice verse 35 who can separate us from the love of God who can separate us from the love of God 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? And it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. And I heard uh, one Bible teacher say that this word more than conquerors could be translated in our day and time to super conquerors. We're not just barely getting by. We overcome through Christ, through Him, as it states, that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, what great protection and love we have that surrounds us in Almighty God, we who are His Christians. Yes, we sin. Yes, we fall short. But God does not cast us away. Uh, the devil will try to get you to think that you've been cast away. That you, And yes, we, we sin. Yes, we come short. But our hope is in Christ. Uh, Martin Luther wrote uh, this Tuesday is Reformation Day when Martin Luther on October 31st uh, you know, started the Reformation, nailed the 95 Thesis, and he wrote that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And He is a, a mighty fortress to us. The psalmist concludes Psalm 125, says, As such as turn aside into the crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. But peace shall be upon Israel. The psalmist concludes that this promise that all who turn to their crooked ways, those who live a life of sin, who will not turn to Christ, who will not believe, they face judgment. It, these, this verse of Scripture these reminds me of Psalm 1, verses 5 and 6, the very first psalm in the book of Psalms where the psalmist uh, wrote, well, really going to verse 4. He had wrote how that in ver the first three verses about how blessed is those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, but then he states in verses 4 through 6, the ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Uh, there's a day of judgment coming upon those who have not God, who have not Christ. This is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying that evildoers are not getting away with their sins. And many people think they're getting away with their sins. You're not getting away with it, my friends. I remember a story of when I was a, it was a terrible thing happened. I'm trying to think if, it was when I, if I was a kid then or if I was born. I think I was a little kid. But I've heard the story for years. And we know what often happened with the Klan in the South and how that there was a man up there 
a black man that was brutally murdered. And they never did catch the people who did it. They think they know who did it. And I remember hearing somebody tell me, well, I guess they got away with it. And I said, no, they didn't get away with it. No, they're standing before the eternal court, the eternal judge. They will definitely, they, they, don't, they didn't get away with it. You don't get away with your sins or your crimes, my friends. There is a judgment. We will all stand before God some days. As Christians, we are called to love our enemies and to forgive them that sin against us. I still remember that's, that's what happened up in, I believe, it was, was it South Carolina? I believe North Carolina, that church, it was shot up. And I still remember that how that those church members were telling him that they forgave him and were saying that. That's hard to say when you had friends and loved ones killed. That's the love of Christ. But we are to forgive those who do us wrong. But we also know that God does not let wickedness go unpunished. There will be a day of judgment on the wicked. And if you're no not Christ today, let me tell you, there, there's a day of judgment coming. Vengeance is the Lord's. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 speak of this coming judgment. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Jesus speaks of two ways, the straight and narrow and the wide gate. Unfortunately, most are going on that wide gate of destruction today. They're following their own wills. They're wanting to do their own thing. Live it up. Not realizing, hey, it could end all tomorrow. We saw, I saw last night where a popular movie star died just like that. Not that old. Apparently, you know, look, it could happen to any of us, regardless of your age. We always think it's, well, years from now, I'll try to get right with God. Well, it's going to be too late then. I'm telling you, you don't do it on, God, on your timetable. But many are like that. They're living, uh, and I don't know about the eternal, by the way, the eternal state of that person I was mentioning, but I'm just stating there's coming a time when we're all going to stand before God, when we're all going to die. We must be ready. Are you on the narrow road, which is Christ? Uh, your good works are the wide road of destruction. That's the way of the world. Uh, are you ready to face him? There will come a time of judgment. But as he states here in Psalm 125, that peace be upon Israel or peace be upon God's people. 
God's peace rests upon those who belong to Christ. I ask you, do you have that peace today? Is Christ your security? I hear so many, and I've said it myself, worrying about, you know, what's going on in our world today. I mean, we got inflation. Food prices are getting so high, and we worry, man, can I be able to afford afford it much longer? Or gas prices, so much is going up, going on. Even our economy is, it's an instability in the United States economy. So many are worried. And then we have two major wars going on, one in Ukraine, and now one in the Middle East. And we worry, what's, how's it going to affect our world? What's going on? The world's very unstable. Always has been, by the way. But who isn't? God Almighty. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever as the mountains are around about Jerusalem. So the Lord is around about His people from henceforth, even forever. That's hope in a world where there's so much instability. As Edward Moti wrote his famous hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. That's the only hope there is for anyone. I ask, do you know him today? If not, my friends, I urge you to turn from your sins. Turn to Christ today. And as believers, let us always keep the words of Psalm 125 in our minds, knowing that God that we are God surrounds us and because of our faith in Christ, uh, we we're like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, not because of ourself, but because of Christ. Praise be to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O Lord God, our hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and His righteousness. He is the only solid ground as the hymn we sang earlier in this world. This world is unstable. O Lord, help us to not lose faith when we're or, or doubt in this evil world, but to always keep our eyes upon Jesus. For any here today who may not know Christ, who are lost, and they're on that wide road of destruction, I pray that you convict them, regenerate them. Lord, impart in them faith and repentance to look to Christ today as their only hope. In his name I pray, amen. Amen. Amen.